Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode features first-hand accounts from real people detailing their disturbing experiences. Listener discretion is advised. My name's Dustin, I'm from Chicago, and I'm going to tell you the story of how me and my three friends came across the UFO. So this happened about, I would say, seven years ago. Right now I'm 25, this happened when I was around 17. I believe it happened right after my birthday, so it was early September. I got some BB guns for my birthday, so we decided to go into my friend's backyard. Um, he had a big backyard, and, you know, so we invited his girlfriend and, a, like, my other friend over, and we were just in his back yard just shooting the bb gun i went over there around like four o'clock in the afternoon you know we all hung out we ate pizza and then once it got dark is when her parents went inside and then we kind of just pulled out the bb guns and we were shooting around just messing around he lived in a four flat so how it worked was there's a huge shared backyard that also leads into the garage and then there was also like in the backyard there were there was a patio for each floor where you could walk up the first floor and it led all the way up to the fourth floor we're shooting the bb gun you know just hanging out my friend and his girlfriend sit on the bottom steps and i walk past them and i'm like i'm gonna go get something to drink would you guys like something and i turn around and when i turn around i'm facing the garage now and above the garage, I see something that looks like a UFO. I, I can't really explain how it looks. It just literally looks like what you see in the pictures on Google. It was like three lights, and it just looked like it was in a circular pattern. I don't know how to explain it. It was just like, and like the lights, it didn't look like airplane lights. They were way too big to be airplane lights. Like it was just three big lights that were positioned where it literally looked like it was oval. I'm looking and my friend is my friends in the backyard my two other friends are sitting on the porch and I'm walking up the stairs so I smack my friend upside the head and he's like what the hell why'd you smack me for and I literally grab him up by his shoulders and I turn him around because he was facing me like you know like he's mad because I hit him obviously so I turn him around and I face him towards the garage and he's like what is that and I'm like I don't know and my f- his girlfriend stands up and she goes, what do you mean? What is what? And she turns around and she looks. And, you know, her she doesn't really say anything. And then my last friend, he comes up and he's like, what are you guys looking at? 
And I kid you not, we all kind of just sat there for a few seconds just looking at this. And it slowly got further and further away. And while it got further and further away, we had to walk up a few steps just to keep it in, you know, point, our point of view. Because once it got so high, it went past the garage and there were trees behind it as well. So every few, maybe like 30 seconds, we would walk up like five, six stairs just to keep it to where it was eye level with us. So, you know, we're all freaking out and we're like, what the hell is that thing? And, you know, we're slowly creeping up from the first floor where he lived to the second floor to the third floor to the fourth floor and finally we got to the fourth floor and you know we couldn't go any further and so we're watching it for about 10 15 seconds just literally just standing there it just disappears behind the trees this was when no one really had an iphone or uh you know a phone at that point i mean i think the we had like sidekicks or something so we, you know we didn't really think to record it we were just like in amaze like what is this thing did we just see a ufo we go back downstairs you know we head downstairs we're all kind of talking we're walking down the stairs slowly and we go into the back backyard where the garage is and you know we're all kind of standing in a circle now we're all talking like what the hell did we just see was that a ufo you know we're like 17 year old kids like freaking out like what we just seen the new a ufo like that's crazy and you know like we were all kind of just like not skeptical but we were all just like no one's gonna believe us and i kid you not we're sitting there for about a minute or two down in the backyard just discussing what we've seen and a helicopter flies over us and it's going in the exact same direction as the ufo and we're like okay that's a little odd not even a minute later another helicopter goes by and we're like okay that that's very odd we live in chicago the only helicopters we ever see are news helicopters or you know like uh chicago police department helicopters this didn't have any kind of it didn't have lights it was literally just you could see the helicopter but you didn't know like it wasn't licensed to like the news or you know the chicago police department it was literally just a helicopter 10 seconds later another helicopter flight and at this point we're you know we're freaking out my friend his girlfriend starts crying and she's like i told you they were real i knew it i knew it i knew they were real and at this point you know we're all like a bit freaked out but she's just making it super super worse she's scaring everybody you know we're you know we're we're trying to keep calm and she's over here crying now she's basically bawling her eyes out and she's like i knew they were real i knew it her mom comes outside and she's like, what are you guys talking about? And, you know, we're like, oh, nothing, nothing. And she's like, why is she crying? And, you know, I, I'm not exactly for sure what they told her mom, but eventually her mom went back inside. And, you know, we calmed her down a little bit and we're sitting out there for about another minute. Her mom was only outside for, I would say, like a minute or two. It wasn't very long before her mom went back inside. We're sitting there and I kid you not, about a minute after we finally calmed her down, a plane flew over and it wasn't just a normal plane like this plane was lower to the ground where you can literally see it and it was also not just a normal plane that would carry passengers it was something from like that would carry like military men and the only reason i know this is because my two friends the two guys that i was with that night said exactly what kind of plane it was which unfortunately i don't remember 
But they said it was a plane from Call of Duty that would literally carry, like, army men. They said that it was, like, a plane from Call of Duty. I didn't play Call of Duty back then, so I'm not exactly for sure what kind of plane it was. But they said it was one from Call of Duty, so that really freaked us out even more. And after that, we we went inside. We were like, okay, this is getting too real. So we went inside, and, you know, my friend, she got on the computer, and she just looks up UFO in Chicago. And, you know, we're sitting in her room for, like, an hour just trying to see if any news posted about it or if anybody posted about it on Facebook or anything. You know, we're scrolling through everybody's news feed just seeing if someone posted about it. But no one posted about it. So we're sitting there for an hour, and then her mom comes in the room, and she goes, Okay, you know, it's getting late. It's about 10 o'clock. You guys need to go home. So me and my three friends, we were already discussing it, but, you know, we didn't want to go home, like, alone because we all live separate ways. So eventually, you know, I called my mom. I asked if my two friends could sleep over, and we all rode our bikes to my house. On our, on our way to my house, I, like, the whole time, we were just looking over our shoulders just to make sure that none of us got abducted, basically. Like, I know it sounds really silly, but at that time, we were so scared of, like, going home alone or just anything. It was it was a very scary experience. And I know, again, it sounds funny, but when you see a UFO, and then you see, like, five helicopters, and then you see something, like, out of Call of Duty following it, like, you know that you must have seen something big. And so now you're just you know you're freaked out you're looking over your shoulders and for like the next two days it was summer so we i think we just like we i don't think we went to school yet we started school like maybe a few weeks later so honestly for the next two or three days my friends just stayed over my house and basically that's all we could talk about we were watching youtube videos every night on ufos and like we i I think for that like next three days we literally were just in my house after like five o'clock because we didn't want to be out after dark because we were so scared and we were watching every YouTube video. We were just watching, you know, looking up everything on Google about UFOs. And to this day, like, what's crazy is I'm not the only one that remembers this. Like, I can literally text my friends right now and say, hey, do you remember when we seen that UFO? And every one of them is spot on to exactly what we've seen. Like, they all have the exact same story. So that's how I know that, like, this isn't something I imagined or this isn't something that, like, you know, wasn't that big of a deal because we're all still, you know, whenever we talk, we talk about this and we still get scared. Yeah, that's the story of how when I was around 17, I ended up seeing a UFO with my three friends and how... To this day, you know, seven, eight years later, we still talk about it and we're still freaked out. So I was probably 17, 18 years old at the time. I grew up in a small town. There's not really a lot to do besides, you know, kind of drive down Main Street or just drive around in the middle of the night. Well, a friend of mine, her work, her uh, her mom worked at a local attraction um, called Turner Falls. And so we went out there one night. It was kind of late and uh, her mom let us in the gate so we could just drive around and check out the campsites and, you know, just hang out. Just normal, stupid teenager stuff. So we're driving around and it's, I mean, it's a good sized park. It's mostly for camping. So you have on the lower levels, like, there's like, swimming pools and waterfalls and stuff and then the higher up you go the more like rustic it gets so we had driven all the way 
almost all the way up to the top of the mountain when we came on this campsite. And every campsite we had passed on the way up there had lights on, like lanterns going, a fire going, people talking, like you could tell that people were there because it was only maybe like, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So it's not super late. People are still mostly awake. When we get up to the very top campsite and there's just one tent set up there, there is no fire going, there's no lights lit. Like we honestly thought it was abandoned because we didn't see anybody, we didn't hear anything. So we decided, well, you know, this is kind of weird. Maybe they've left. Let's go ahead and turn around and come back. I pulled the car forward just a little bit so that I'd be able to back into the campsite and then go back down the mountain. And when I turned around to look behind me, there's a man standing there. And, you know, when we had pulled up, we didn't see anybody at all. And now there's this man and he's just got his head cocked to the side and all we can see about it is that, you know, it's a man head to the side. We can't make any facial features out, like just completely black. And so we're like, okay, so he's not moving. So I turned the car to go forward again and drive up kind of onto a wooded area and managed to get the car turned around. Well, as I'm doing this, he's following the car. He's walking right behind us, still in the same posture. His head never moves. He never says anything. Just in pitch blackness, this guy is following our car as we turn around. We get turned around and to a point that I could kind of speed the car up and I just took off. I mean, I, you know, pedaled to the middle, got out of there. When we looked back, he was standing at the top of the road that led to the campground. So he had followed us a good, you know, quarter mile from his campground to the top main road to watch us drive back down the mountain. It, it is very creepy. I mean, you know, I if he would have said something or maybe not just stood there, it might not have been so creepy, but just standing there looking at us and then following our car when it's just two girls kind of alone up there that late it just it was a lot of red flags going off all the windows were down because it was a really nice night kind of warm out and my car didn't have air conditioning so we had all the windows down and i mean it was dead silent when we got to that campground there were no insects chirping nothing just complete silence up there and so when we saw him you know i said hey you know is everything okay and he didn't say anything he just continued to stand there and when we went to turn around i was like man what are you doing why are you following us and he still didn't say anything it's like we're talking to him and he can clearly hear us but he just remained quiet and just followed us until we were able to leave but the craziest thing was we get down to the front gate which is where they let everybody in and give the uh permits so you can camp up there and we tell my friend's mom hey there was this really weird situation up at this campsite and she asked for the campsite number so we tell her and she looks it up and there's nobody listed as staying there so the cops go up there to check it out and by the time they got up there everything was gone tent torn down, car gone, nothing up there. 
to even get in the park, it's got this long winding kind of driveway and there's only one real entrance. So to get in there, you have to pass by a check-in gate for people to check you in. Um, so somebody walking up there probably wouldn't have been checked in. Um, but even if they were, once the park starts shutting down for the night, the cops usually go around and make sure everybody has a camping permit. So the cops had already been up there earlier in the night and no one was set up. So sometime between, you know, quiet hours hitting, which was 8, 30, 9 o'clock, to when we went up there, someone had set up a whole campsite. And then from the time we left up there and drove back down to the bottom and talked to the front gate, they had packed everything up and left. The craziest thing is, and I can't, you know, directly tie it to this guy, but it's a weird coincidence that shortly after that, there was a cave like up near where that campsite was. And it was just kind of one of the attractions. Um, you know, you can go and hike into these caves and they've got small pools and stuff in there. And shortly after that, they found like a bag of like dead animals that had been murdered and like tortured kind of stuff. It was pretty gruesome. So we had the cops out for that. Not even two days after we had gone out there and see, saw that guy at that campsite. Since the cops didn't know who he was, we never were able to find to find him again. Both my friend and I ended up working at this park right out of high school. So we were, she would work maintenance. And so she would go all through all the campsites and stuff. and. I worked down like in the um, souvenir shop. So we would go all through and we've never had anything else like that happen again, but that one time was enough. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Amy. And hi, hi True Crime, crime fans. fans. We're the co-hosts of She Goes by Jane. Every week, we'll be covering the story of a missing or unidentified woman in the United States. Stories you may have heard before. And ones whose stories didn't make it into the news. We've been covering these stories for a while. First in Amy's book of poetry, Doe. And then in Vanessa's documentary, She. But now we want to share them with you here on She Goes by Jane. And each week, we'll be joined by a special guest. We'll read a poem in honor of the women we talk about. Can we say who? We can say who. We'll be joined by actresses like Coco Jones and Gabrielle Ruiz. And musicians like Stephanie Quayle and Kelly Moneymaker. Along with authors like Louise Penny. And Catherine McKenzie. So check out She Goes by Jane wherever you get your podcasts. Or check out Evergreen Podcasts and their true crime channel, Killer Podcasts. We can't wait to bring you these stories. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. 
In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. A couple years ago, we were doing an overlanding camping trip in um, our older SUV with our rooftop tent on top of it, and we were going from ghost town to ghost town in Montana and camping in between. So we were going up to Garnet, which is a little ghost town outside of Missoula and we decided to come up the back road in the dark not a big deal and come up go above the the town and then camp and get up in the morning and go in Um, so as we come in there's a weird abandoned car parked in the parks parking lot the state parks parking lot and I feel weird about it but I kind of just shake it off as you know What's that's weird? That's, why is there a car here? Like, who's parked at you know ten o'clock at night, hiking through a state park? You know, whatever. But I try not to let myself get too worked up. So as we drive up, um, we start to feel very uncomfortable. The the energy in the the truck gets pretty uncomfortable. Gets really tense. Um, my husband and I start bickering, just kind of nitpicking at each other. Our dogs start pacing in the back and panting and whining and, and, and being real edgy. We keep going, keep going up the back, and there's things like there's abandoned houses that clearly are from the mining era, um, abandoned trailers, trailers that people were living in, some, some like small sort of uh, temporary houses that are clearly from the mining era. And I, I sort of got this creepy feeling that we were being watched. So I maybe just thought, maybe it's just locals, you know, who's driving up past our house this late at night. So I glance out the window and I see two red lights right next to each other. And I don't want to say that they are eyes because I don't know. I, I didn't see what it was attached to because I looked away very quickly. So it could have been reflectors. It could have been, I don't know. I don't know what it could have been, but they were glowing, not necessarily reflecting. So I looked away and I thought, I don't, I don't know what, I won't want to see what that is. Um, So as we get further up the mountain, we find a flat spot and the dogs at this point are going nuts. I mean, panting, yipping, drooling, pacing. Um, I can barely catch my breath. And... I thought maybe the dogs were just ready to get out, but they just have never behaved that way. And you know, I've had these animals for a long time and I know their I know their moods. And so I started to get this feeling that this weird feeling that we were being stalked. So it went from being watched to being stalked. And I've caught some flack for saying I had the feeling that, but I'm a woman and a lot of the ways that I have stayed safe is when I feel like someone is following me 
I, I deal with it. I acknowledge that feeling and I've, I've stayed safe. And so I know that it may sound silly, but I felt like we were being stalked and hunted. And the best way I can describe it was I felt like there was a werewolf. And I don't necessarily know if that's a thing. I don't really believe in werewolves. But it was just the best way I can describe it, like a predator and prey situation. So my husband goes to get out of the car and I grab his arm and my knuckles are white and my face is white. I just, you know, he looks at me like, like I'm a crazy person. And I said, please just don't turn the lights off. And he said, well, I, I have to turn the headlights off. I have to see if the tent's level. And I went, I, please, just please don't turn the lights off. And I just had the feeling that once the lights came back on, once the headlights came back on, either he wouldn't be there and I'd have to figure it out on my own or that something would be there with him. Whatever I had seen or whatever I had felt. And eventually we agreed to leave the dome lights on. And so I asked him too, I said, okay, well, can we not let the dogs out? Just, can we just give it a second before we let the dogs out? He said, sure. So he gets out of the car, checks it all out, gets back in and everyone is still kind of losing it. And he just looks at me and he goes, we're not staying. And I, and I said, no, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. He went, no, we're leaving now. I didn't argue that because I was pretty terrified and it really inexplicably terrified. And we go to make our way down the, the mountain and we decide to go on the main road because it's faster and it goes straight to the highway. As we're going down, it starts to snow. Uh, hadn't snowed at all leading up to it. It's snowing pretty, pretty white. We can, we can still see, but it slowed us down quite a bit. And as we're going down, you know, we're not speaking, we're not talking or fighting. It, it, it was like there was no air left in the vehicle. I had that kind of lump in your throat when you have a panic attack. I, my face was hot. Uh, he wasn't talking. The dogs were still losing it. As we're going down out of the front passenger side of the road, a, a hare streaks across the road and we hit it. I, you know, cringed and it broke my heart and my husband was like, I couldn't stop. I can't. You know, he actually said the words, I can't stop. Um, so we go down, we go into Missoula, go to the other side, uh, camp on another mountain and everything's fine. Um, and in pretty much immediately after we hit the rabbit, the mood completely shifted. Uh, we were nervous, but we weren't scared. So we come back the next day, we're in the parking lot up by the ghost town itself and a, a ranger pulls up and we're sort of rehashing everything and a ranger pulls up and I am talking to the guy kind of sharing what's happened and how I felt and the guy kind of laughed and he went oh I wouldn't stay up here by myself at night and this is like a young 20 something guy you know probably pretty tough but he said that it kind of made my stomach drop and he said I want you to tell ranger such-and-such such down in the town what you experienced because I told him I felt like we were being stalked I felt like it wanted to eat us it was weird so we go into Garnet and um, we're talking to the other ranger and I tell him specifically what I say to him because he says how did you feel 
which I thought was really peculiar because it wasn't, what did you see? What did you hear? He said, how did you feel? And I said, well, it felt, it felt old. Um, it felt like it had either never been human or if it had, if it had been human, it was a long, long time ago, like it's humanity was gone because I just thought like a werewolf, that's what I would say about a werewolf. And I told him, I felt like it wanted to eat us. And I said, I know that sounds ridiculous because I thought a serial killer or, you know, a, a crazy person. And I said, I thought it wanted to eat us. And he just said, have you ever heard of a Wendigo? I said, no, I, you know, I never, I don't know what that is. And the Wendigo is a mythological creature from the folklore of the First Nations Algonquin tribes. It's described as a monster with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human being. Although descriptions can vary somewhat, it's commonly viewed that the Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being. So he kind of goes into and he tells me what they are and, 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 and the lore. And, and so I was like, that's it. That's the best way I can describe it. That, the, the, the myth and the legend, the lore, the sort of traits of it describe exactly the way it felt to be up there. And so subsequent to this experience, I've done my own research on it. And I found that they are not in Montana, but apparently there are creatures like that throughout all American Indian legend and lore. Um, doesn't matter if it's the Pacific Northwest or the Southwest or Canada. Um, there are beings that fit that description. Uh, so, so, you know, that was really eerie. And then I get on Reddit and I'm looking stuff up and I'm talking to people and I share my story with someone on there and they message me and say, I did some research too. And it turns out that Wendigos can control the weather in order to stalk their prey. It's just very coincidental that it would snow as you're trying to get away. And so I thought, well, that's, that's real spooky. That's creepy. And then I'm talking to a family member of mine who's done some research in uh, spirit animals and animal guides and things like that in, in congruence with American Indian legend and lore. And she informed me that rabbits in a lot of lore are either the spirits of Indian, Indian soldiers, warriors, protectors, or harbingers of safety. I just thought that was so strange and then I remembered because I you know I thought oh it's that's what a strange coincidence then I remembered that as we were driving back up we came back up the road that we had left on and it was freshly powdered snow no tracks uh, not even ours it had snowed over ours white the road was white there was no rabbit there was no blood there was no entrails. There was no carcass. There were no drag marks. There were no other car tracks. There was nothing there. We stopped and got out. We looked around and there was nothing there. 
I got really freaked out by that. And I just thought that I don't know if, if it sacrificed itself uh, to the to the creature. I don't know if it was uh, an American Indian warrior protecting us. I don't know, but it was incredibly uncanny. I then was looking back through our photos of when we stopped in Bannock, Montana. And it was a few days before we had gone to Garnet. And I had several photos where there was a hare next to the buildings that we were in or outside or walking around. And so I don't know what to think about it. Um, I don't know what was there that night. I don't know what was there protecting us or keeping us safe, but I know that when I spoke to that, the second ranger, and he described what a Wendigo was, after he told me that he was an archeologist, gave me all his credentials, because I was like, yeah, right, whatever. I have never felt more sure about a paranormal experience in my entire life. And so I just, it's one of my favorite stories because it's very specific. And the more I dig through stories about that area and people there um, and, and, and people in modern day there, there are a lot of stories that are similar to mine even a few where people have seen humanoid creatures. Take with that what you will, um, but it was really very intense and very nerve wracking. And I hope to never have to experience it again. You've been listening to Disturbed. Special thanks to Dustin, Brittany, and Mary for sharing their stories. You can see more information, photos, and sources on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, help us grow by sharing the show with a friend or on social media. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you always get the newest episodes automatically. If you have a few extra seconds, drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to support us and get some awesome perks, check out disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Disturbed Podcast. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode.